Today's episode of Onto Waveland is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Hey, welcome, folks. It's on to Waveland uh, here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And uh, we are here to talk baseball in a you know this period of adjustment time. And interestingly enough, we do have uh, some actual news to get into um, as recently as today. So we're recording on Friday. And, you know, we spoke to you earlier in the week on Wednesday, and we kind of knew something was going to be coming, a, a deal between the league and the players to kind of set up an interim environment to cover the way the sport is going to operate if and when it kicks off this year. And so that uh, deal was ratified today uh, by the owners and the players. And so it is in effect. We don't have the full text of the deal yet, but um, you know our Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich reported last night on pretty much all of the details. So uh, definitely check that out at The Athletic. Um, and we're going to get into some of the particulars. Um, I think that probably, well, let me, I don't know. This I think is the sort of the, it's the most important, but least sexy part of it, which is that a big question of course, is in a, in a year when a big chunk of the season is not going to exist, how do you handle player compensation and service time? And essentially what has been decided on that front is players will get service time prorated to the same amount that uh, whatever the actual season length is. So, you know, if you're, if you spend the whole year up, uh, even if it's a shortened year, you still get a full year of service time. If it's half of the year, you get half a year of service time. And if there's no season at all, God forbid, uh, players will get credited with the same amount of service time that they had the year before. So uh, that covers that as for payroll and salary, the players are getting fronted collectively uh, about $170 million that will be spread among the players um, depending on their, their status on the roster. It's not really tied to their salary. It's just tied to their status on the roster. And um, if the season, if and when the season begins, they get a prorated portion of their salary. And if the season is canceled entirely, they only get that 170 million spread among them. So that's the financial side of things. Um, good to have that deal in place because, of course, the last thing you want right now when it's already sort of a tempestuous relationship between the players and owners, new CBA coming next year, hopefully. Um, you just didn't want a fight at a time of crisis. So I, I'm glad that they got that deal done. But like I said, the, um, I don't know, most controversial part of the deal, I guess, I think it's fair to say. Um, is that tied into this is a re a pretty significant adjustment to the draft, not only this year, but next year as well. Um, and uh, I don't know if, you know, Sahadev, do you, do you want to intro what those changes are? Do you want me to lay them out and we can discuss? Um, because I know that um, I think we've all probably been paying attention to this aspect of it um, relatively closely. 
Yeah, I think uh, if you just want to lay it out, because I'm, I, I don't sure. have it all in front of me, I know the very general idea of it all. Yeah. So, I mean, the gist is, in an effort to preserve some funds that could, in theory, otherwise go to supporting um, baseball operations for organizations, kind of save off layoffs or furloughs, things like that, um, there is an an effort to contain some costs right now. And so what that will look like with respect to the draft is the owners have the uh, option to shrink the draft to just five rounds. Um, Players in the draft uh, will have their uh, slotted bonuses uh, staying at the same level as 2019. And um, they will get only a hundred thousand dollars up front to sign and then the rest of their signing bonus will be paid out half next year and half the year after that. Um, and that's, you know, I'm, I didn't misspeak. That's actually what it's going to be, which is kind of crazy to think about for these amateur players. Um, and moreover, the uh, draft can potentially be capped at 20 rounds next year. And also any undrafted player that wants to sign after this year's draft would be able to sign only for a maximum of $20,000, which is not only extraordinarily lower than a player would be able to receive in, say, the sixth round of a draft, but it's also uh, only about a sixth of what players historically have been able to sign for uh, if they were undrafted in the typical 40-round draft. So it's, it is a really, really dramatic curtailing of the, the volume of talent that will be coming into baseball this year. It's 20,000 max that won't be, that won't go against their cap, correct? Uh, Against whatever their allotted money is. As I understand it. No, no. As I understand it, it's flat out 20 max. That's it. Okay. I I thought I read somewhere that it was 20 K and anything above that would count against what their, you know, allotted spending for the draft is, but I could, you know, there's so many different, uh, variations of this maybe i missed misread that well i mean like we said the full text is not out so we're going off of um some preliminary reports and then also people's interpretation of it which is always um a little sometimes uneven when it's like a rapidly flowing situation like this but what i'll do is why don't you talk and i'll check to see if uh you know which one of us is is the dumbass while you're talking <laughs> well, I, I mean, first off, it's it's hard to come away from this without saying that, you know, the amateurs, as they usually do when things when discussions like this happen, they're getting screwed here. This is too bad for them. I think uh, the reality is the owners had a ton of leverage here because Manfred had the choice uh, to kind of make a lot of decisions here if an agreement wasn't made. And obviously, uh, Manfred is going to lead uh, lean on the side of owners when when decisions are when he's making decisions unilaterally unilaterally. Uh, it sucks, uh, in my opinion, that that this is what's happening. I mean, in general, all of this sucks. So uh, inevitably, the amateurs are the ones that that get the short end of the stri- stick here. And uh, I, I I think you know there's going to be plenty of analysis on that, and, and we know. Oh, that what what's happening here is unfair to them. But uh, as far as the Cubs go, I was I was curious how this helps them, if it does at all, in the sense that we're talking about a completely new uh, 
head of amateur scouting, a new, uh, you know, a new fo- focus and and how they kind of run things are, are, are a little bit different. Right. So you were you were looking at uh, Dan Kantrovitz in charge, how uh, there's always that first year of feeling things out, new person in charge, different philosophies being implemented. How does that work? Uh, how different are things going to be run? I guess there's a give and take here. How does he uh, – how well can he evaluate his scouts in that first year? Because obviously uh, most good leaders take a year to kind of evaluate things, and then if they're going to implement change, uh, they'll do it after that first year of really seeing how everything was being run below them. Uh, the other aspect, I guess that you kind of lose that in a way, it, you don't get a full season of scouting. You don't get to really see who stands out, but they also get the benefit of, you know, they lost Sam Hughes. They lost Shane Farrell. Uh, how much of an impact would those guys have had this year? Uh, how much of that adjustment year of not really replacing those guys fully, uh, you're not dinged as much for that now, correct? Uh, from my understanding is the Cubs are one of the more aggressive uh, scouting teams early in the year. So they actually, you know, I, I don't think there's there are teams that are uh, really that far behind, at least not that many. But the Cubs at least are not one of the teams that kind of have a slow buildup. Uh, from my understanding, uh, the Shane Farrell was the West Coast cross-checker. And uh, they kind of ramped up their area scouts in the West Coast to kind of make up for Shane leaving late in the offseason. So so in that in that sense, what you're focusing on early are the early round guys, particularly the first round guys. And then you start to as the season goes along, that's when you kind of build that bulk of of deeper rounds. So in that sense, I guess. Teams aren't going to be significantly dinged in that sense, as far as they don't have they don't have uh, nobody. Everybody's kind of on the same page here, so it's not like any team is going to be further behind. Outside of those teams that just don't get to scouting early on and kind of rely on the later months, and and obviously you don't have as much data for the teams that haven't started yet. The the high schools in the Pacific Northwest, the Northeast, the North, the Midwest, those areas uh, you just don't have as much data. But everyone's on the same page there, so. Uh, I, that's what I was curious about that and, and talking to some people within the organization. That's kind of the idea that I've gotten so far as far as the Cubs go. And uh, Patrick and I will be writing about this more. So I, I expect a, I'll, I'll get some more info and, and we'll make sure we, we include it all in the piece that we have coming out eventually. Yeah, to me, the biggest takeaway was just this idea of service time and that uh, assuming we're all reading this correctly, Uh, Chris Bryant won't have to serve another year uh, before hitting free agency, which would have seemed uh, extremely unfair given how the Cubs manipulated his service time uh, coming out of spring training in 2015. uh, And that grievance that we kept talking about and kept kind of hovering over uh, the Cubs, you know, future planning. Uh, This is already shaping up to be a, just a huge free agent class for the Cubs. Uh, obviously, with a transaction freeze, there's no uh, Javi extension uh, kind of on the horizon, uh, even though it wasn't really clear. It's not like that was imminent, you know, before uh, the coronavirus shut uh, everything down, but at least uh, under normal circumstances, certainly would have been 
a story that we were uh, would have been tracking uh, really all the way up to opening day and perhaps even you know beyond you know early uh, into the season here. So uh, it's obviously awful for you know these you know kids who thought they're gonna you know get drafted this year and maybe have uh, uh, a little bit of leverage. But I think the union has been pretty clear. Uh, throughout that it represents you know guys on the 40 man it does not uh, go to the bargaining table on behalf of minor leaguers or future uh, major leaguers and I think both sides at least showed probably more self-awareness than we're used to in terms of uh, realizing uh, you know how bad it would look if Manfred uh, used and unleashed all of his powers that he could have during a national emergency and Really, when people are, are worried about their jobs, how they're going to pay bills, um, when school's going to start back up, I mean, no one wants to hear about you know millionaire ball, ball players um, and their kind of salary crunch. So at least I have no idea when baseball's going to return. I don't think either side has any clear idea either, but at least both sides are preparing for that possibility, and maybe that's kind of like a ray of hope at an otherwise extremely bleak time boy you left me with a tough transition there <laughs> um, I mean, yeah you know you, i was like for. i mean for one well for, for one thing i was already <laughs> prepping i was like oh cool like this is how this works right people have probably noticed we I, it isn't like planned that it's like brett says something kind of sets something up and then sahadev says something and then mooney says something and then brett sort of transitions but that's like how this has evolved and so, uh, but it's often the case that like, you know, Sahadev will say something or you'll say something and I'm like, oh, okay, I know how I want to extend that conversation. And like Sahadev was really in on the draft and I was like, ooh, I got some additional stuff I'm going to say about the draft. And then you, you pivoted, which is fine. It's totally fine. You had some stuff you wanted to say, but you pivoted in such a dark way that I was like, oh shit, how do I like bring this back to the draft for a minute? <laughs> so you see what I did. Dude, was we I can't leave meta. our house for months. You can go wherever you want with this. I mean, what, what are you going to do? What are people going to do? You know, like, see, but the key, we're stuck here forever, like, Brett. Say whatever you want. Now's the time. <laughs> oh well let's see what do i want to talk about boy this season a better call Saul is great uh no so it is though but uh no i did want to let me uh, let me just circle back for a minute on the draft related stuff just a and i i do not intend to present this as cynically as it will sound um but it is uh, gosh i don't know what the right adjective is that will soften the cynicism of it. But, you know, at a time coming into the season where we knew that Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball were negotiating a, a larger plan uh, about how their relationship was going to proceed. There was obviously the big talk about eliminating upwards of 40 affiliated teams. Um, you know, I, I will not say that the advent of the coronavirus pandemic has provided a perfect opportunity for Major League Baseball to start affecting their plan. But I will say that the fact that the draft is going to be shrunk so considerably this year, which will dramatically limit the inflow of talent to professional baseball uh, heading into next year, and then they've retained the option to limit the draft next year as well. And from the write-up that I saw, it was 20 rounds, which was 
the exact amount that they were talking about anyway in this new minor league plan, it does feel very likely, whether you want to be cynical about it or not, it does feel very likely that one of the long-term after effects of this temporary interim coronavirus-related plan to the draft is going to be a more permanent change both to the draft and to minor league baseball. I think that's it is something that's going to be viewed as a sacrifice upon the altar of trying to make the best of a bad situation, but it is going to end up being maybe something that Major League Baseball wanted to do anyway. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't think you can I don't think you can notice the changes to the draft without acknowledging that it comes against the backdrop of things that Major League Baseball wanted to do anyway. No, I think you're right there. That's that's one uh, one of the things the the potential fallout that uh, I'm definitely worry about, worried about. Uh, there's some random things that I kind of thought about. Obviously, this is the worst case scenario of no season. But uh, a couple players who'd get completely screwed if there's no season would be Ian Happ and probably Nico Horner, right? I mean, if we're it, the the assumption is you're just going off last year's service time if there's no season, so then Ian Happ gets stuck with a month of service time instead of getting the full season, which he likely would have. Uh, and and same with Nico. Nico gets a couple weeks uh, instead of instead of a likely majority of the season. So that uh, those are two things that I was thinking about. And I know this isn't Cubs related, but I'm curious if the season ends, does that extension for a guy like uh, Luis Robber suddenly look completely different? You just had a year. Uh, he doesn't, I mean, he gets a, he doesn't have a year of service time that would have accumulated. And now you have this extension that basically, uh, that ends up being an option that would have been what not for for arbitration years or the end of arbitration years. Instead, it just completely changes the look of these extension, these pre-arb wow, or these yeah. uh, uh, these extensions that don't even uh, that haven't the guys haven't even played at all or have very minimal playing time. Suddenly, uh, no season makes those extension looks very different. Of course, we haven't reached that point yet. Uh, I'd prefer to stay optimistic and and live in a world where we still see uh, baseball this summer. Uh, so, but that's those are a couple things that just kind of stood out to me right away. Uh, particularly with the Cubs, I mean, Hap, I, I feel like would be the, uh, really get screwed there as someone that has the potential to break out, and now you're you're giving him a month and a half of service time instead of a full season. It, it would be really. Uh, unfortunate for some of those guys then he'd really get screwed if after 2021 there's either a strike or a lockout that goes on indefinitely because both sides are so uh angry and pissed off at what happened this year so you know just looking at the bright side here and i did like brett's uh suitably cynical uh interpretation of what major league baseball is doing with the draft because i totally agree with you on that one that this is kind of a way to uh, kind of suppress uh, and contain spending and ultimately lead to this, um, you know, hollowing out of minor league baseball that they've been kind of plotting here for a while. And I thought that Keith Law had a good piece up on The Athletic kind of putting this together, what it means. And my big takeaway was, 
you know, the draft is a really good investment tool for teams, and yet they still constantly handcuff themselves and try to kind of kind of find ways out of it when it really uh, the return can be, you know, absolutely exceptional. And it's kind of this lifeblood to an organization and teams are for whatever reason, there are probably some good reasons for it as well, as Brett mentioned of, you know, you're containing, um, or I should say maybe trying to avoid, um, you know, whatever furloughs or layoffs or just kind of, you know, assembling a war chest in case this is, you know, kind of some, you know, Armageddon scenario in terms of, the economy but otherwise i mean you look at the teams that are consistently good you look at how teams can kind of turn things around and the the draft is just hugely important to that and i'm you know always kind of surprised when teams are trying to find ways to you know cut corners there well and i want to take the opportunity you know you mentioned um you know you and sahadev are going to be working more on this topic I mentioned the Rosenthal and uh, Drellich piece that really gets into the nitty gritty. You mentioned the Keith Law piece that digs into uh, what the changes to the draft are going to mean. So I want to use that as a nice opportunity to remind folks that uh, The Athletic is doing 40% off right now. Okay, so go to The Athletic slash onto Waveland, or excuse me, oh boy, I almost messed that up. I want to make sure you get the deal. 40% off, go to... (laughs) Uh, the athletic slash waveland and you will get the deal you can sign up 40 percent off because these kinds of thoughtful nuanced articles at a time when there aren't sports being played on the field but there are so many issues to be understood and explored and discussed in a really thoughtful way uh, those articles are still going to be there and so you're going to want to be checking that stuff out at a time when maybe you don't have other stuff to consume so, uh, again, highly recommended. Uh, I mean, I'm on this podcast, but I don't work for The Athletic, so I'm just a subscriber. I just read The Athletic. So go, <laughs> theathletic.com slash Waveland. Get, yeah, slash Waveland. Get your 40% off. And, um, you know, make sure you're taking in this stuff at a time when, you you know, we all want to be entertained and, and informed. So, anyway, uh, getting back to uh, the changes that we will see, um, you know, I think that uh, you both raise good points about who gets screwed at this time potentially. And uh, I, you know, honestly, we all, I think we all probably catch ourselves, you know, when we're like, Oh, this player gets screwed or these guys get screwed. And it's like, okay, wait though. Cause we got to remember a lot of workers at a lot of these organizations and a lot of adjacent businesses and stuff are, uh, really going to be getting screwed. And the, the frontline workers dealing with the coronavirus, they uh, are getting even more screwed. And so I, I guess I, I always find it important to caveat where necessary that like we're always having these conversations within, within the context of like this is what we talk about as baseball. And so we're evaluating this deal through the lens of everybody is within their sphere trying to make the best of a really bad situation that's affecting everybody. And so, um, it, you know, it's always within that context. And so against that backdrop, I wanted to note one other thing that's been reported about this deal that would uniquely impact the Cubs, which is that, again, reportedly, we'll wait for the, you know, the, the particulars. But as we sit here today on Friday, the report is that 
the luxury tax for this year, if and when there's a season, it will remain at the $208 million level using the AAV contract level on paper for all the players. There'll be no adjustments in that regard, regardless of what they actually make. So what does that mean? It means if you were a team that, uh, you know, hypothetical team, let's say you went through the offseason uh, doing a lot of things that sure made it look like it was your singular goal to get under the luxury tax this year, and you didn't quite get there by the time the season starts. And so you have these contracts on the books that would take you over the luxury tax. And then let's say the season was uh, massively shortened and maybe there wasn't even a trade deadline for you, or maybe the trade deadline was such that there isn't a lot of activity or the markets, uh, was, you know, because of whatever the structure of the season is, makes it not palatable to make trades. Uh, you would be a team if you were that hypothetical team that would pretty much be unable now to get under the luxury tax under this schema. And, uh, you know, you could also say maybe that you were screwed or you could other people would say, well, you kind of made your bed this offseason, now lay in it. Uh, you know, I'm not mentioning any particular team here, just a <laughs> hypothetical team. But uh, I did think that was a notable bit of this deal that will, um, you know, I kid. But it, it does disproportionately impact the Cubs, potentially. Oh, sorry. That's all. I totally... Uh... No, you're fine. <laughs> we can we can chop... We can chop that out in post, or we can leave it in. We can. Here's why we can leave that lull in. I, you just gave me an opportunity. Last podcast, I sent out a lot of love to everybody, the listeners, to you, Sahada, to you, Patrick, and to me myself. It's not going to work, left Brett. Out, it's not going to uh, work. I left out our. I left out our producer Adam. It was a dick move. It was not intentional. These are crazy times. It. Uh, yeah, I, I made the mistake. So. You know, we do have, among other needs that uh, Adam fulfills for this show, we do have screw-ups. You may, sometimes we leave them in for fun. A lot of times we chop them out. And when we say we chop them out, it's actually Adam doing that work. So uh, thank you to Adam. You are great also through this, uh, through this time. So you can either chop this part out if you want, or if you want to leave in the love fest for yourself, you can leave it in. Um, and you know what, though? Maybe that'd be a nice place to wrap up. Let's wrap it up on a nice little love note for our producer, Adam, who does great work here at Onto Waveland, which is the Cubs podcast at The Athletic. Thanks, Adam. I am Brett. <laughs> uh, I am Brett Taylor. That is Sahadev Sharma. And that over there is Patrick Mooney. Read their stuff at The Athletic. Remember, theathletic.com slash Waveland. Eh, get your deal. And uh, read their fantastic work there. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. We'll be coming back at you next week with uh, more of this podcast. We thank you so much for listening. Make sure you uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us. Tell your friends. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys right now. So thanks. All be well and have a good weekend. 